great thing about online worship is I don't have to be done in time, in her time frame, so we could be here for hours. Like, the spirit may fall, we could be here. We've got no time limit. This is exciting. We don't know what's going to happen. We might be here till next Thursday. Who knows? We have been, throughout the season of Lent, been preaching from the 21st Psalm. And so originally, uh, today was going to be uh, part of the sermon where we talked about um, where it said he leads me in the path of righteousness. He leads me this morning. It's kind of where, so I just love that passage. That's a beautiful passage. We'll, we'll resume and we'll, we'll get to that passage again. But um, as I thought about the uniqueness of this moment, I felt uh, the Lord calling me to take the message in a, in a different place this morning. So today, uh, during our uh, message, we're going to be reading from Deuteronomy 6, one of my favorite books in all the Bible, one of my favorite chapters, one of my favorite books on the Bible. Deuteronomy 6, we're going to be reading um, a command that's very precious um, to, the, uh, to the Jewish people especially, but then to us as Christians as well. We're going to be reading a passage called the Shema, uh, Deuteronomy 6, verses 4, we're going to read verse, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, and then we're going to read verses 20 through the end of the chapter. So um, Deuteronomy 4, Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through 9, and then uh, verse 20 to the end of the chapter, verse 25. Here are the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children. Talk about them. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Then to verse 20. When your children ask you in the time to come, the statutes and the order the Lord has commanded us, then you shall say to your children, We were favored. The Lord displayed before our eyes great and awesome signs and wonders against Egypt, against Pharaoh, and all his household. He brought us out from there in order to bring us in and to give us the land that he an oath to our ancestors. The, then the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God, for our keep us alive as is now the case. If we diligently observe this entire commandment for the Lord our God as he commanded us, we will be in the right. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I was thinking about this moment as Christians and the church right now. A lot of places when I began to think and kind of chase rabbits. Those of you who know me uh, know that I don't have ADD. I have ADD. Oh, squirrel. You know, I, I don't tend to focus sometimes, but my brain is all over the place. And so as I was thinking about where we find ourselves in this unique time, I began to think about something that happened to me really early in my ministry. Um, you may notice if you're watching online, hopefully right now, we'll have this out podcasted later. So uh, those of you who are listening through our app or listening uh, through our website when this podcast comes out, you, you, you miss my handsome face this morning, so you should be considered blessed. I've often told I have a face that's perfect for radio. Um, but this morning, uh, I'm wearing my collar. This, the collar I'm wearing is called an Anglican collar. It is unique from the collars that we typically associate with Rome, Rome, the Roman Catholic Church. This collar goes all the way around the neck. And uh, I've worn my I don't wear it consistently now. I don't wear it every day. But I wear it when we do homebound communion. 
because, you know, it's kind of hard to robe up, you know, put on my full robe when I'm going to serve communion. So I, I wear this collar at that point kind of as, a, as an emblem, a reminder of, of, of the pastor giving the sacraments. I'll wear it sometimes when I go to the hospital. Uh, I've learned it kind of uh, helps me navigate the hospitals uh, quicker, uh, although I, I did have a funny thing happen to me years ago when I was wearing my collar in the hospital. I'm sitting there in the waiting room, and I'm just sitting there kind of um, just biding my time waiting to go see somebody. And this man comes up to me who I didn't know, and he didn't know me, but he saw the collar. So he comes up and starts making a confession to me. I'm like, whoa, whoa, no, we're good. We are good here. Like, I'm good with you. You're good with me. We don't have to. Like, I know Father Tom and Our Lady of Victories. I can get in touch with him. But like me and you, we're good, man. We don't have to go any further with this. So that was always an interesting adventure. Um, but I wore my collar when I first started preaching in the Delta every day. Let me tell you why. I had zero confidence in my abilities as pastor. I've shared with you before that um, my first uh, church job, I was a at a little Baptist church out in Pelahatchie for a couple of years. And I, that was, I was a senior at Mississippi College. That was fun. I had a good time. I didn't really know what I was doing, but they were good kids. I loved them. They loved me. It's neat to see some of them now have grown into very responsible adults, knowing that I had zero, zero to do with that. But uh, that, was, that was fun. And then I left there and became the youth pastor at Raymond United Methodist Church over in Raymond. Uh, that was my first uh, church, in, my first church job in Methodist Church. Uh, Dr. Gary Thompson was my church. And I, I've shared with you before, at least those of you that are part of my church, I was terrible. Like, I just, I, I'm not being falsely humble. I was good at my job. Um, I, I was young. I was inexperienced. I was working a full-time job in Jackson at the same time, uh, so I wasn't able to put the time into being a youth pastor that I needed to put in. I was unorganized. I, I just I was not a particularly good youth pastor. Um, like I said, that's not false humility. That's just the truth. Uh, I've joked if you Google the phrase "worst pastor ever," you'll probably see my picture pop up on your image feed if you do that. But I knew at the same time that I was called to ministry. Like, I, I had this calling from God in my life. I knew that God had called me. I felt the call of God to be a preacher. When I was a kid at Wesley Pines, when I was 16 years old, I, I knew he had called me to that. So I took my first appointment in the Methodist Church at Boyle, Lynn, and Litton, United Methodist Church. It's sweet, sweet, sweet people. I love them so much. It's, uh, I often joke as a pastor, the first church you serve is kind of like your first love. You just love them so much because those sweet folks in the Delta... I was, they didn't love me because I was good. They didn't love me because I had all the skills because I didn't. They just loved me because they were loving people. And they didn't come to church to hear me preach on Sundays. They came to church on Sunday because that's what the people of God did. I had zero confidence in my abilities. I pretty much, I nearly flamed out as a youth pastor. And now I was being sent by the conference to shepherd the soul. And I didn't think I could do it. I mean, I didn't think I had it in me. I had so little confidence, so little belief in myself that I did not think I could do this. So I began to wear the collar daily as a reminder to myself that it wasn't me who did it, but it was God through me who did it. That in many ways as a pastor, my job was to get out of the way and let God know 
and let God do what he wanted to do. Now, sometimes as a pastor, I got in the way more than I helped. And so it didn't matter if I didn't have confidence. It didn't matter that I didn't believe in myself. Those things really weren't important. What mattered was that God had called me in that time and that place to be, a, to be a, a means by which people could know his love. So I, remi- I wore my collar as a reminder that my lack of confidence or my lack of ability or any of these things weren't really the point. They were actually side, to the, off to the side of the point. The point was that God continued to move through his church and continue to move through people that he had called into ministry as a reminder of God's call of my life and God's ability to continue to work. And frankly, I wear it now after 20 years. I already believe I've been appointed, uh, you know, appointed to a United Methodist Churches now for uh, almost 21 years now. Uh, I'm wearing this reminder now that it's still not about me. That I'm really not all that important. You know, when you're preaching to 5, 18, and 22 people on a Sunday morning, one thing. Now, I've been blessed to serve large churches in our conference, some of, the, some of the greatest churches that our conference has, and it's very easy sometimes to believe your own hype. And I wear the collar now the same way I did earlier, as a reminder. That's not about me. It never has been about me. I'm just an old boy from Bogotá. I didn't die for your sins. Jesus did that. So I started thinking this today about reminders. And that's why I was drawn to that passage in Deuteronomy. The Old Testament to me is always full of reminders. 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 So often, so often the people, God would tell the people when they did something, when God did something significant, when there was a battle or a victory or a miracle, God would say, now build you an altar. And we think altar, we think about our altar table or the altar rails you'll find in a church. That's where our mind goes to altar. But for the people of God in the Old Testament, that wasn't the altar. It would be nice and refined and look pretty, but the altar God's people were usually just a bunch of rocks piled together. And so the reason why, and he said, put them in the middle of the field. And the reason why is so that one day when you're walking and your kids see a bunch of rocks, they say, Daddy or Mama, why is there a bunch of rocks in the middle of the road? Why is there a bunch of rocks in the middle of the road? It's because we weren't for slaves in Egypt. The Lord your God, he freed us. This altar here is a reminder of what God's done. So notice the text today. First is the command to know that God is God. The Lord your God, you shall serve your heart, soul, might. Keep these words in your heart. Then I went to 20, which is, what's the meaning of this, this law that's being what's the meaning of all this? Then you shall say, we were Pharaoh's slaves, but the Lord brought us out into a mighty land. The Lord displayed before our eyes, great and awesome, brought us here in order to bring us, to give us this land. So, or when your kids say, Dad, Mom, why do we do this? Mama, Daddy, why on a Sunday morning when it's pretty are we watching a live stream on YouTube? Daddy, Mom, why do we do these things? Why do you give or why do you serve or why do you do these things? Well, the reason why, because I once was lost, but now I'm found. 
across the cross. The burden in my heart rolled away. It's there by faith. I received my son. And now I am happy all the day. I wear this collar a lot to remember. And we need to remember. Particularly in this unique setting. In this unique time. I think we as the people of God right now as Christians, because listen, I mean, I'm sitting here looking at a pretty much, except for a couple folks out there in the pews, pretty much empty sanctuary right now. This is different. <laughs> as the great theologian, theologian, nobody told me there would be days like these. And when, as the people of God, but the thing that the people of God that we do not need to do is give in to fear. It's and there's a thin line there, y'all. There's a thin line between being smart and wise and learning and being afraid. Jesus said in Luke 14, I shared this with you earlier this week, no one built the tower without first counting the cost. We need to be wise and discerning and count the cost and make measured steps, but we do not need to give into fear in this moment. God is with us, Emmanuel. God is with us. And yes, it may look a little different, and it may feel a little different. It may, we may act a little different, but God has not withdrawn from us. He is and he will never leave nor forsake his people. We need to be reminded, do not be afraid. Do not give in to fear. Do not give in to pain. Be discerning, but do not be afraid. That's one of the overwhelming verses in scripture. Over, 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 over again. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. But we're the people of God. We serve a God who rolled away the stone. We serve a God who himself could not conquer. We serve a God who calmed the waters. We serve a God who brings life out of death. We serve a God who restores. Yes, yeah, this may be different, but we will not be afraid. So we need to be reminded first that God is with us, okay? That you have to be reminded that God is with us. He has not left us. We need to know that. We need to have that deep in our hearts. It says here, put it deep in your heart. Bind it on the on your, bind it. Put it on your doorpost. Be reminded that God is with us and God is one. God is God. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The do not ever doubt that that is one of the most unifying verses and concepts in all of scripture. That God does not leave or withdraw from his people. The psalmist says, even if I make my bed in hell, still there you find me. Where can I flee from your presence? Where can I Everywhere you'll find me. God has not left us. We've got to know that. Because the world needs us now. The world needs us now. An unbelieving world needs us as the, as the church to be the church. It is so easy to give in to fear right now. Or to give in to anger. To give in to whatever emotion you're feeling. But y'all, 
We are people of resurrection. We are people of hope. And as the church, as believers in the resurrected Christ, this is our moment to boldly and lovingly and caringly be the church. You ain't got to go buy a toilet paper Walmart. There's a quote by C.S. Lewis, I'm going to get it wrong, but um, he basically said, in a world where everybody's going the wrong way, the one who turns to go the right way seems out. As believers, what does it say to an unbelieving world when we do not give in to fear? The world needs us now to be the church now more than ever. We should pray for our leaders. We should pray for the doctors and nurse, nurses and healthcare providers. We should pray for those in need. But we should also step up. We should make sure that children receive food. We should work with groups like Madcap and other groups. We should work, check on each other. We, I, I know we're distance. I, 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 hear me, I'm good. We, we had somebody come to, to our house the other day to work on something, and we did an elbow bump or whatever you call that. We did that. Like, so I'm good with that. But we are not to be isolated. Christians. There are loved ones in your community that are alone right now, that are scared right now. Check on them. I'm not saying you got to go, you know, give them the biggest hug you ever, you ever seen. No one needs to be afraid right now. No one needs to feel forgotten or forsaken right now because we are the people of God. And Christ has no hands but yours. He has no feet but yours. You are his feet in his hands. You are his body in this moment. And the church, the world needs us right now to be the church. To be the body of Christ. To be unafraid. To lean into people. To love people. To care for people. To be in the storm. God is good, y'all. And God has not, and God will not leave his people. We need to know that now. And the world needs to be reminded of that now. That's why one of my callings during this season to be a reminder of God's presence. God has something better. He has you. He has me. There's that great line in um, Esther. This moment. She's told, perhaps it's for such time as this you were placed here. It is no accident you are where you are. You are who you are. Doing what you're doing for the people that you're doing them with. God has you there for a reason. And the world needs that right now, y'all. This is our moment. This is our moment as the church to be the means of grace that Christ has called us to be. You are that reminder to a world that is terrified.
and scared and afraid and alone and virgin and bordering on insanity sometimes. You, me, the church, we are that reminder of God's presence, of God's love, of God's mercy, of God's salvation, of God's grace, of the goodness and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is our moment, y'all. This is our moment. This is the moment that God has us here for. We are the church. Where can I make my bed apart from you, God? The world needs that reminder now. Those of us who, those of us who have been washed the blood, this is our moment to live out his grace calmly and boldly and carefully in a world in desperate need. This is our moment. Check on each other. Love each other. Care for each other. Be One of my heroes is Winston Churchill. Love Churchill. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's the best. I, I, I know I'm getting older life because there's nothing I'd rather do in my life now than watch World War II documentaries. I mean, they're, they're, come on. I mean, I'm going home this afternoon. I'm going to find some boring history documentaries and watch them all afternoon, and my kids are going to laugh at me. That's what's going to happen. Love Churchill. And there's a, there was a movie that came out a year or so ago. I, I don't know if you saw it. Um, the Darkest Hour. Uh, it's a fictionalized account of something that happened in his life. But then he, uh, he gives that, 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 that rousing speech in the parliament. And I, I, I love Churchill's speeches. I mean, who, who doesn't? But the thing that I love about Churchill is his ability in that moment, knowing that it was it was simply basically against everyone. We will not give in. And you have to know you're scared. You have, I mean, who in their right mind wouldn't be scared at that moment? Who in their right mind wouldn't be mad, maybe even at God, for leaving them, making them feel like they were there by themselves? But Churchill knew that God had given him the strength in his lungs, the gift of oratory, a dedicated nation, and they were going to fight. One of my favorite stories is uh, 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 Churchill was asked after, uh, this was a few years after the war, to give a commencement address. At, at, uh, and, um, and, you know, we've all been and usually the one thing we want out of any commencement address is for it to be short so we can go home. So Churchill got up and stood up to speak. And when he did, he, he, he looked around the entire room, started on his left, and just went across the entire room. And I tore him in the eye. And he said this. He did it because I'm not afraid of this moment. Because I have confidence in our sovereign God. Remember who you are? You're his sheep. The sheep of his pasture. Remember whose you are. You belong to him. Don't forget his presence in your life now. 
believers, Christians, this is our moment to be the salt and light that our world needs in this time. He's placed you here for this moment. 